Welcome back to AvTalk, the Flight Radar 24 podcast, and our second episode. I'm here with my co-host, Jason Rabinowitz, and I'm Ian Pechnik, and we are so thankful that you listened to our first episode and gave us some great feedback and seem to be liking the show, and we're so pleased. And so you can get all of our episodes now on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, and Google Play. So thank you so much for listening, and we're going to jump right in. Since we last recorded, Jason has visited four major German cities, Dublin and Malta, what can charitably be described as a whirlwind tour of various aviation fields, including crawling inside of a plane. Jason, I will let you fill us in on what you've been up to. I'm tired, but I'm home until I go back to Germany in about a week and a half for the Aircraft Interior show. But since we last recorded, which seems like forever ago already, yeah, I've kind of been all over the place. Last week, I was out with Lufthansa Technique, actually, all the way out in Malta, my first time there. Really kind of a beautiful place. But they brought us out there to their maintenance facility to see how they install satellite-based Wi-Fi on their short haul and medium haul fleet, which was really, really cool. We got to do some other very fun stuff along the way. If anyone was following Jason on Twitter, you can see that he not only saw the satellite Wi-Fi installations, but also got to thoroughly tour the airplane lavatories, the equipment and electronics bay, which is pretty fascinating. You know, the, the kind of the brains of the plane you know, miles and miles of cable and, and everything that, that really keeps the plane up in the air. Yeah. So out in the Malta facility, they had a couple of different aircraft. They had Lufthansa A340-600 and A330 and A321 that they were installing Wi-Fi in. And the A330 actually had its entire interior removed. So there was no seats on board the aircraft, not even on the flight deck. There weren't even seats up there. They were all inside a shop being cleaned, repaired, overhauled. By the way, you never really want to see these seats without their coverings over them because it's kind of scary what some of them look like over the course of a couple of years. But they're all cleaned up and they look like brand new when they're installed back on the cabin. But it was really kind of weird to be in a flight deck with no seats crawling down in the E&E bay where really, like you said, the brains of the airplane are. It's not a place many people ever really get to see, but we were also down in the belly of an A321 in the cargo area, actually, where most of the Wi-Fi equipment actually goes, which is not where you would think it does, but space, it turns out, on the inside of an airplane is fairly limited. So you toured the inside of a plane you were in. Was it the A330 that was getting a C check? Yeah, the A330 was getting a very thorough check. So, and we'll toss this up on the show notes because some of these pictures are pretty fascinating. I'm, I'm looking at a, a flight deck that is completely devoid of any place to, to sit. And there's a big hole in the floor where you would normally see the seats. Yeah, so watch your stuff. Like you you'll end up in the E&E bay. Yeah. That looks like it was a lot of fun. Yeah, there was a lot going on there. There was an SAS A330. One of the new 242-ton A330s actually was in there for its first heavier check. And also, kind of a sad moment, Finnair's A340-300, the Merrimeco special livery, was in Malta, of all places, on a lease return. So it was actually there to kind of be whitewashed and returned back to return status. So it was a little sad to see that one probably for the last time ever. I mean, that's kind of our accidental series on, on special liveries sneaking in there. 
Yeah. There's rumors that one of their upcoming A350s is going to get that new Mary Mecco livery again. So that'll be pretty cool. Oh, that'll be nice. Yeah. And while we were there, actually, we got word that the newest ANA Star Wars livery came out. Which one was it? That the came out this week? C3PO. The is big the, yellow the 777 200 looks pretty spectacular. Yeah, which unfortunately for us is only flying domestic, so we'll, we won't see that. Well, we still have three others to pick from, I think. R2-D2 is the 787? Yeah. Which flies to Paris and down under to Australia, I think. Yeah, Paris. it's been doing Paris, Australia a lot lately. And then the, the 777 with BB-8 on it does a lot of the North American runs. Yeah, every now and then we see BB-8 here at JFK, and unfortunately, I think it's the least attractive of the, of the bunch, but it's better than your average A&A livery, I guess. Yeah, it's okay. Yeah, it's pretty okay. It photographs well, I'll, I'll say that. It does. I haven't gotten a good shot of it, only off in the distance. One of these days, it'll come out when the sun is actually out here at JFK. So you were in Frankfurt and Malta for the Lufthansa Technique, and then you were in Berlin for ITB? Yeah, the week before I was in Berlin for ITB, which is a absolutely gigantic travel trade show, which I had never been to before. This was my first year. I was there actually with work for a joint announcement with Airbus, which was actually a lot of fun. Man, that show is just huge. If anyone's ever been to it before, you know what I'm talking about. But had a little trouble on the way home. Apparently, the ground staff in Berlin is not too happy with their current contract, and they let everyone else knew what their feelings were. So on the last day of the show on Friday, they had a complete strike. Nothing came in really, nothing came out, and I was supposed to fly out on Friday, so I kind of had to scramble, come up with the plan B, and thankfully my friends over at Aer Lingus, who I was flying back home, helped me out and were able to rebook me out of Hamburg, which I was able to do a very last minute train booking on the ICE, get out to Hamburg and fly out of a yet another German city. So a German tour completed. And I'll be back in Hamburg in about a week and a half for the aircraft interior show, which I think you're going to this year. That, for the first that's time. true. We'll actually have episode three of the podcast from the floor of the show. So Jason knows much more about what we're going to see there but I'll be, this will be my first time at, at AIX, and I'm looking forward to seeing what you know, airframers and passenger experience companies have in store for you know, the next generation of airlines or airliners and seeing you know, kind of some of the, the more unique things that people are putting in planes. Yeah, AIX is by far my favorite show of the year. It's where you really see what manufacturers will be installing on aircraft a couple of years from now, whether it's a new IFE system, in-flight entertainment, or connectivity, or a new seat type, or a new even overhead bin. There's always weird and wild stuff that you know will eventually get on an aircraft, or in some cases, you know, will never see the light of day. It was a few years ago that there was a, a beverage cart that had a a champagne dispenser or, or it was some type of drink a soda dispenser. dispenser. That is yeah, actually the- a real thing. I saw that last year at the show. It's just your regular old galley cart and it works like a fountain soda machine. And I think KLM at some point had a variation of that that dispensed Heineken, which I have not seen, but I would love to, you know, that- inspect that to make sure it works. And Of course, of course, yeah. for, for quality, quality control. Research purposes. Exactly. Yeah, of course. Speaking of research, 
I I can't mention this concept without laughing. Good segue. But yeah, I'm looking at the video for possibly the 15th time because it's so outlandish. A researcher, speaking of, you know, the Netherlands, a researcher in the Netherlands came up with this idea and thought it was a good idea that instead of building runways as long, straight pieces of concrete, asphalt, what have you, that airports should be designed around a single circular runway. And every time I think about it, I, I, because it sounds like, I guess, is it a good idea? Is it a bad idea? Is it the worst idea ever? I think I fall into the worst idea ever camp. It's interesting and different, but also makes my head hurt. Well, I mean, there's just so many. Th- and and our friends over at NYC Aviation, Phil Derner, gave a pretty thorough and convincing takedown of why it's not a very good idea. There are so many reasons why it's a bad idea. And they all kind of come down to safety. I mean, the idea is that, long story short, because it's a very long story, this idea of a circular (laughs) runway, it would be this huge single circular runway. And the benefits, the the idea is that it benefits you because you can always land into a headwind, which is how an aircraft always wants to land and take off. No and crosswind situations. There, there's there's no crosswind situations, or at least that's the idea. And the runway would be banked. So And it looks like to a significant degree, too. We're not just talking one or two degrees here. This is a significant bank angle. We're we're talking, you know, racetrack, you know, a high bank angle. At least in the video, that's what it looks like. The idea was that this would allow multiple aircraft to land on a single, a very large single runway, and they would be able to, you know, operate multiple aircraft at the same time, and it would be easier taxiing because you don't have to taxi very far and things like that. But I mean, just off the top of my head, some things like, well, what happens if the wind changes while well, you're banked, your wings pretty close to the ground? How do you train for that? And what happens if there's bad visibility? I mean, that that just those are just some of the things that yeah. come to, off the top of my head. The NYCA article does a good job of breaking this down. Some of the more pressing issues are, let's say, navigational issues. You can't have an ILS system if you don't have a fixed, I guess, approach for this circular runway. You can't have an ILS system or a VOR or Pappy lights for every single conceivable angle in a 360 degree round runway. It just doesn't work that way. No lead-in lights, no runway lights really of of any sort. And then there's the issue of, you know, in colder climates, airports have enough trouble keeping a, a level runway dry, clear, and de-iced. I can't imagine even a slightly slippery banked runway like this. How is an A380 just going to kind of slide off to the side when it doesn't get enough traction? Yeah, I I mean, there was just so many things. Like, I didn't think it was a serious video at first. I'm not going to lie. I didn't even look into this until you told me we were going <laughs> to discuss it here. Like, this I mean, just it, can't be real. Exactly. But it is. Well, at least the idea is real. I don't think it'll ever see the light of day. I mean, I don't think that it's bad that people are working on researching how to make you know aviation more efficient and things like that. The The idea was also that it would spread out the noise 
of the aircraft landing a little bit more around the surrounding community. So there was less noise for everybody and things Except like that. Except for the fact that prevailing winds usually blow in the same direction. So even if you have a 360 degree runway, odds are aircraft are most likely going to be pointing in the same direction more often than not. Right. And so that even the benefits ideas were kind of less than convincing. It's a novel uh, idea. I'll give it to them, but I'm not buying it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It was an interesting video to watch and an interesting thought exercise, but I think it was very interesting. It'd be fun to tackle that in a simulator, though. Well, yeah, it would. I mean, and they have kind of the, they have the researcher in a simulator. And so I would love to see that video of them attempting to land on these banked runways because they, they, I, never I, they quite obviously got to that in the BBC video. LinkedIn no, they did. Did they? They didn't. That's a shame. I thought that that was what we could have seen. Yeah. But, but speaking uh, of really, really, really super cool videos, a friend of mine, Mike Eisler, did some pretty cool stuff with airplanes and got it on tape and photo this week. And Ian, why don't you tee this up? What What did he do this week? So Mike probably has one of the best jobs in aviation. It's up uh, there. It's definitely up there. And so for a long time on the list of you know dream jobs and things that if somebody asked me to do, I would do in a heartbeat. He gets to do air-to-air photography with commercial aircraft. And so basically what you do is depending on what photos you want and, and how you want them, you either get in a helicopter and fly around, in this case, a Delta 767, or you get in a Learjet and fly above it, below it, behind it, around it, and capture these beautiful photographs and in this great video that you know eventually gets used in promotional materials and commercials and things like that. But how they get the footage and some of the behind the scenes footage is just absolutely fantastic. So thankfully, when you see this stuff, if you go to Delta.com and the wallpaper and the and the background of the page is uh, an aircraft in front of some huge mountain. Thankfully, most of the time that's actually real. That's not CGI. A lot of the time when an airline gets a new type of aircraft, be it a 787 or an A350, they'll go on a photo flight and just take as many photos and videos of these things as they can. This most recent time, it was with a Delta 767, but in the past, he's done a shoot with an A330 out in Mojave, I think. And you might remember these Delta commercials. They were a little overly dramatic. I don't remember who did the voiceover, but it was really a a deep, awesome voice. But they actually installed this rear seat mounted red Epic camera in a Porsche and they chased this A330 down the runway as it was taking off. And the video is just spectacular. Yeah, I mean, and they've done they've done some other things. When I think when United got their first 787, they went and did some some photography. I know Alaska Airlines did something a while ago. And I mean, there's some others where you've got was it Emirates? recently did something with an A380 yeah. and Etihad did something not too long ago. And and we'll track those videos down and, and toss them in the show notes because they're definitely worth watching. And I mean, it's just one of the, it's one of the best jobs you get to combine, you know, flying and photography and, you know, flying in close proximity to, you know, <laughs> things that would normally get you in a whole lot of trouble with the government and with aviation authorities, I mean, you know, perfectly sanctioned and, and carefully choreographed. Yeah, you know, let's just say lateral separation between the photo Learjet and the 7.6 was not, you know, your typical requirement. Absolutely not. But it's fun watching these on flight radar. Both these aircraft are ADSB equipped, and you can see them just going around and around and around in a circle in the same pattern, I guess, you know, to get the perfect shot one after another. 
when you're committed to these things, it's good to it's good to take as much time as you need because it's one of the, you're only going to get one shot. You can't just take a seven six seven out of service for four or five days on a whim. You have to schedule it and and get it right. So it, it's good that they spend a lot of time. I think the flights lasted you know three four five hours. Yeah, this looks like a lot of fun. And I'm looking at one of the pictures of the equipment they had on the Learjet that Wolf Air is the most well-known company that does this. They usually work with new deliveries out of Everett with Boeing, but the amount of equipment they have for these photo shoots is just staggering. There's actually a GoPro sitting on top of another camera, which is mounted on top of another camera, which is pointing out the door of an open Learjet. Yeah, I mean, the it's some pretty serious equipment. It's all gyro you know, gyro stabilized and, you know, you can fly through turbulence and still get a perfectly smooth shot. So that's all that. I mean, all that. So cool. when you go to delta.com, you get a pretty picture in the background. Yeah. I guess they, they wouldn't do it if it wasn't worth the money. I think it's, they should double their budget. They should for do it more. Paying for this. Yeah. Well, I mean, we're, we're actually the perfect audience, I guess, for it. I mean, that's, that's what we like to see. That's right. More of that, please. Every more, line. more I, of yes, that. Every single plane gets a tour with the, with the photo pass. Even if it's a CRJ, we're not going to discriminate when it comes to this. I Okay. If you say so. <laughs> I do. But what other <laughs> what other cool jobs are there? The yeah, we, we were talking industry? about and we wanted some feedback on that because we were, we were thinking, you know, about a lot of really amazing things besides, you know, being a pilot or being a flight attendant and being, you know, normal, you know, what you see every day in aviation. We were thinking about some of the things that are that are pretty pretty cool as far as jobs and and that's certainly one of them. The other one we were talking about was the <laughs> the who became the gentleman or lady who became a bit of Twitter a sensation famous. Twitter famous a few days ago with with the lawn care at Auckland Airport. So in a lot of aircraft in parts of the world other than the United States unfortunately we're a little behind here. But all ground equipment, all vehicles on the ground of an airport are actually equipped with ADSB. So whether it's something as simple as a lawnmower or an SUV or a baggage cart, they're all rigged with ADSB. So everyone knows where every piece of equipment is at all times. And <laughs> you can actually see track the transponder of this little lawnmower going back and forth and back and forth in these grassy medians between runways. And someone pointed out on Twitter that he missed a spot. Yeah. So we, we what we never did is we never went back and, and checked to see if, if it got done. We should probably pull the history of that transponder and see, you know, if they ever went back. We'll we'll double check that for the next episode. For Important sure. things and it, we we need to know. <laughs> but there's some other pretty cool stuff that you wouldn't expect to be transmitting with ADSB up in Toronto. I think their snowplows are. So yeah. when they're actually conducting snowplow operations, you can see they're staggered formation. You might see five or six in a row on a single runway at a time plowing snow. The snow plows at Toronto and I think at Denver are also equipped. And then in a lot of a lot of airports, and in the US increasingly too, you have the airport rescue firefighting vehicles are transponder equipped. And so you can see them moving around moving around the airfield especially. In Amsterdam, the ground tugs are even transponder equipped. So you can see when they're pushing back a KLM flight, you can see the track of both pieces of equipment moving back. And then you can see when they separate because they start moving away from each other. So that's that's pretty neat. Uh, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Here in the States, we're barely able to get actual airplanes equipped with ADSB, And over there, they have tugs installed. It's definitely a work in progress. 
That's different. But we, we want to hear from you what other great jobs that you may not have really thought about before are out there in the aviation field. There's got to be some. Yeah. I mean, if if you've got one, if you know someone who does, if, if there's something that you've always, you know, wondered how it gets done, you know, we'd, we'd love to hear about it. Or if, you know, you have suggestions for things that we should look into. You want to learn about a specific job in aviation that you you might want to know more about, or you can share some details. We'd love to hear from you. Let us Always know. Uh, for more cool stuff. Yeah, exactly. That's what this entire podcast is about, looking for cool aviation stuff. So if you've got cool aviation stuff, we want to know about it. Let us know on Twitter, at FlightRadar24. Let us know on Facebook, FlightRadar24. Email us, podcast at fr24.com. And of course, you can now... Because we are on iTunes, you can leave us a review on iTunes. And please do, if you like the podcast, let us know that and let us know on iTunes so that more people can find the podcast. The more reviews we get, the more people can find the podcast, and the more episodes we can make and keep doing this and talking about aviation. And it's something that, that we want to keep doing. So if you're enjoying the show, leave us a review on iTunes and let us know what you like about the show and what you'd like to see more of. Let us know what you want to hear because we we don't know what we're doing. We're figuring it out, I think. Yeah, we, we're kind of you know, we're in the dark. We're feeling our way to the the light switch here, I think. But we're figuring it out slowly but surely. And we want to make it something that you're interested in and that you'll take the time to listen to every couple of weeks. So until next time, which will be on the show floor at the Airliners International Expo in Hamburg. You almost got it. It's I aircraft almost got interior. It. Aircraft Expo. interiors. There's an the airliners in international event. I got the right city. There's an airliners international event that's coming up in Denver, but that's later in the year. So I will get all of my aviation events straight. I will write them down, and we will talk to you next time from the show floor of the Jason. Help me out. Aircraft interiors expo. I think. Don't okay. Quote me on that. Well, if Jason's wrong, then it's his fault. If I'm wrong, it's still Jason's fault. And that's fine. That checks way. out. Yeah. Yep. So thanks for listening to episode two. And episode three will come to you from Hamburg. And we'll talk to you next time. Thanks for, thanks listening. for listening.